This podcast brought to you by the Canadian Association of Radiology, Resident and Fellow Section. Hi everyone, and welcome to the Learning in the Dark podcast interview series. We will be interviewing expert staff radiologists about an approach to... Oh wait, well you'll have to listen in to find out. We hope these little snippets will brighten and add to your toolkit when taking cases and rounds. Today, we're honored to be joined by Dr. Bruce Forster, a professor and former head of the University of British Columbia Department of Radiology. Dr. Forster specializes in MSK imaging and was the director of medical imaging for the Vancouver 2010 Winter Olympics. He has paved the way for radiologists as part of the interdisciplinary Olympic care team. His many awards, recognitions, and appointments are reflective of his mentoring nature and passion for the specialty. Thanks so much for joining us, Dr. Forster. Take it away. Thanks very much, Rebecca, and congratulations to you and James for a really great series, Learning the Dark is a fantastic addition to the Learner Toolbox. Yes, so I'd like to talk to you in five minutes or less about the approach to interpretation of adult wrist x-rays and trauma, or maybe to make it shorter, the whirlwind wrist, okay? So uh, because it's so fast, we're going to have to stick to bones only. There's not going to be any time for soft tissues. Uh, of course, that's the strength of ultrasound and MRI. A lot of really cool stuff goes on uh, in the traumatic uh, sort of uh, end of town with, uh, with the wrist, and, and those modalities are great. But we're going to stick to the bones and play an x-rays. Why are we doing this? Well, wrist trauma is really common about 1.5% of ER visits. So that's a lot. And we know the mechanisms, things like fall on outstretched hand or foosh are commonly seen every day. Yeah, in our our practices. So it's a good thing to to get under your, uh, you know, to get under control. So um, just a couple of of quick uh, points at the outset. Um, uh, You know, in the anatomic position, we don't refer to the, the wrist, the anterior wrist. We refer to it as the volar or palmar aspect of the carpus, okay? So uh, they're the same, volar and palmar. And then the back or posterior part, we refer to as dorsal, okay? So there's some just some terminology the other way. So you got to know your bones. There's some ways to remember it, not part of our curriculum, okay? <laughs> We're going to let you leave that to you. Uh, but start with the AP view. So normally you have an AP view, a lateral view, and you might get an oblique or scaphoid view. I usually start with the AP view. And, uh, you know, based on your four Ds that you talk about uh, so well in the podcast, we'll start with detection. And what I do is I follow all the cortical outlines uh, of the bones of the wrist, looking for any fractures, special attention to the radial styloid, because that is an area that is often has fractures that are hard to see. And also special attention to the articular surfaces, because that can affect management decision, the other D. Okay, so interarticular fractures may be managed differently. I then look at the the arcs of the the proximal and distal carpal row using something called Galula's arcs, G-I-L-U-L-A apostrophe S, named after a radiologist. You can find them online, really simple to to use. So use your Galula arcs. There's three of them. Also check your intercarpal spaces. We know the scaphalunate distance, if it's more than three millimeters, means that there's probably a full thickness tear of that ligament. You can make that diagnosis on x-ray. 
However, remember that the lunar triquetral tears, which are much less common, there is no increase in the interval under those circumstances, okay? So having looked at the arcs in intercarpal spaces, um, I, I look to make sure that the distal ulna and distal radius are approximately the same level, about the same length. Now, if they're not, if the radius is shorter, that could be to positive ulnar variance. That's a congenital thing. What I'm going to do is I'm going to look really carefully to make sure there's no impacted radial fracture because that, as we'll see, has a big influence on management. So that's EP view. Now we'll go to the lateral view, which, you know, lateral of everything seems to bother people. Okay, lateral chest certainly does, okay, and lateral wrist probably as well. So there's a couple of couple of pointers, you know. First, uh, I look first at the distal radial articular surface, making sure that it is at zero or as much as 10 degrees of boulder tilt. There should be no dorsal tilt of the distal radial articular surface, okay? I then look in the region of the triquetrum to make sure there's no fracture because that, as we'll see, is very common, a carpal fracture. And, um, and finally, I check alignment. I'm looking for uh, basically the radial capitate line. That's a vertical line drawn on the lateral radiograph through the middle of the distal radial articular surface. It should go through the middle of the kind of cup-shaped lunate, and then it should go through the, uh, the proximal aspect of the capitate. The radial capitate line should intersect the lunate. So that's the, that's the lateral. So not that bad. You might get the oblique. You follow the same sort of rules for the oblique and for, the, uh, for any scaphoid you use you might have. So let's talk a little bit about pathology very quickly in the last couple of minutes. Uh, firstly, you know, everyone knows the colleys fracture, very common, especially in older patients. And, um, it's a fracture of the distal radial metaphysis. As we know, the classic colleys has dorsal angulation of the distal radial articular surface to varying degrees. So again, we, we look for that, that angulation. We look for any comminution. We look for any intraarticular extension of the fracture and we look for impaction. The two things that affect prognosis the most our impaction and dorsal angulation of the distal articular surface. Those are things that the surgeon is going to want to reduce. So make sure that's in your report. Uh, the Smith fracture is when it's volar angulated, not so important to know the acronyms necessarily. Well, the skateboard fracture is the most common fracture of all carpal bones, about 60 to 70%. And uh, so you really got to look carefully and you have to remember that you can miss these acute skateboard fractures easily. Uh, so you need to recommend another test that could be dual energy CT if you have it, regular CT if you don't, or MRI. Just remember though, when you do CT of the wrist, there's very little effective dose, okay, to the patient because it's an extremity. So we always try to reduce the amount of radiation, but fortunately in the extremities, it's very low. How am I doing, Rebecca? It's okay so far? Yeah, it's been great. Okay, all right. We're almost done. Uh, hopefully the whirlwind, the whirlwind is spinning out of control, I hope. But, uh, so, um, again, I'm going to check the radial style out on the checklist because those fractures can be subtle and make sure that you don't see an intraarticular fracture. I mentioned the radio, the, the skateboard is the commonest, uh, carpal fracture and triquetrum is number two. Um, it's, uh, again, noted on the lateral, there's something called the pooping duck uh, sign, which I have never really appreciated. So I don't really refer to that very much, but you'll see that written down in some books and diagrammatically represented. Uh, it's important to find it, not that we ever intervene, but it explains wrist pain. Okay. So if you see a tricuitral fracture, the surgeon is almost never going to intervene. And by the way, you almost never will see anything. There goes my cat uh, on the, on the AP radiograph. 
Uh, you can't see it on the podcast, but the cat just walked across the keyboard. Um, and, and, and the last thing really is, is dislocations. And uh, these can be a bit confusing. So uh, the commonest uh, carpal dislocation is, in fact, the perilunate dislocation. Okay. And this is when the, when you look at that radiocapitate line and you see that the capitate is dislocated in a dorsal direction, always dorsal. Okay. And these can be associated with displaced skateboard fractures. So if you see a displaced skateboard fracture, check that lateral up very carefully for a perilunate dislocation accompanying it. And finally, the lunate dislocation, much less common, but people, you know, if you ask the question, most people seem to think it's the most common, but it's not. Um, and the lunate always goes in a, in, a, in a palmer or volar direction, like the old spilled teacup sign that we've heard about. And, um, and then there's a mid-carpal uh, dislocation where you really can't tell whether you've got uh, perilunate or lunate. It seems to be a bit of both. Um, often these uh, dislocations are CT because uh, operative intervention is almost always required. So, you know, you could always sort out a mid-capitate uh, mid uh, dislocation with CT. So, so that really is, is it. Uh, obviously, you can't cover everything um, in such a short time, but I think those are the basics, and I um, hope that's been uh, generally useful for the podcast audience. That's excellent. Thank you so much. That's super, super helpful. Really, like, quick and, quick and easy way to approach an x-ray, especially when we're on call and starting call. Absolutely. So really appreciate it. Thank you so much for the time. My pleasure. Good luck out there. Thank you so much, Dr. Forster, for that excellent approach to the whirlwind of the wrist. So many great pearls. That wraps up the beginning of our interview mini-series. We hope you enjoyed it. Stay happy and healthy out there. Adios. Adios.